Hi, I'm Lucas Mack, and welcome to another episode of The Golden Rule Revolution, where inspiration and purpose come from treating people like people and nothing less. Today, I have a really fun guest, my uh, buddy and friend from TV. When I first started in television, he is still in television. He is the anchor and reporter and one of the hosts of Good Things Utah, an announcer at ABC4, Utah News, KTVX in Salt Lake City. He is a good man, and I'm honored to have him on today. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Brian Carlson. Lucas, Brian! Lucas Mack! <laughs> How are you, brother? Oh, I'm so good. It's so good to be talking to you this morning. Man, I am... You and I met a long, long time ago. Feels like another lifetime ago. It does feel like a lifetime ago. Do you realize it's been 13 years since all wow. that happened? Wow. We're getting old. So, <laughs> Literally, you and I are getting old. We are getting old. I have a funny story. Um, one of the things that I... You have a great sense of humor, and, and I I just appreciate people with great senses of humor. And you one time went out and covered a turkey farm. Do you remember that? I do remember that. Yeah. <laughs> and so Brian is a reporter, and he was a general assignment reporter. He'd go out and cover all sorts of stories. And we, we started in this small market in what felt like the middle of nowhere in the state of Washington. Because it was, was in the middle of nowhere in the state of Washington. Was, yeah, I guess that. So it felt as it was. Yes, it did. And uh, you even were sent out to a more desolate location. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And you were to interview uh, a turkey farmer around the Thanksgiving time. Yeah, I remember this. Now, I don't remember and the soundbite. I'm sure you're about to reference, <laughs> but, I, but I remember the story. It's starting to come back to me. <laughs> so Brian was out there, and there's hundreds of turkeys out in this farm, and Brian <laughs> was making this noise, and I can't replicate it, but it was like, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and all the turkeys went bonkers. They yeah. went berserk. Yeah, I remember that now. It's what we call a stand-up in TV, where you have to you tell people where you are, you know, and what you're doing, kind of thing. And you, usually, you see them at the top of a story when the anchors at the news desk pitch out to the reporter live on scene, or as in these small markets, they uh, they do it taped as live, you know, so it's pre-taped ahead of time. And so we would have, you see those at the top and you'd say, hey, I'm Brian, I'm out here. And then you do one at the end and say, yeah, wrapping up here for blah, 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 back to you. And so for this one of those things at the end, uh, where we're doing that wrapping up and back to you, I had, uh, throughout the course of reporting on that story, the guy who's running the turkey farm had told me, you know, they love to be able to imitate you. So if, <laughs> if you make some noises, they'll do it too. And so I uh, had heard them kind of gobble, and I, I think it, if I remember correctly, it's been 13 years, but it was like something like, blah, 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 you know, like, <laughs> exactly. And so I started doing that just to kind of see what had happened, and and uh, they started responding. So I thought, let's you, let's put that in at the end of the story because you can't you can't distract people at the top. You got to at least save it to the end. And so I go like reporting, you know, from wherever it was, the turkey farm here in Washington. I'm Brian Carlson. And then the, the turkey is immediately go in response. So funny. It was great. It was great television. And that's, um, you know, that's part of the fun of, you know, we had to find fun where we could when you're out in the middle of nowhere working for a small station, making no money, 
literally under i think we're under the poverty line oh for sure Um, and that's just how it goes you go out making dirt you know and you hope that somewhere along the line someone else goes you know what i'd like to give that person more money (laughs) yeah that's right yeah that's right so tell us about your journey i mean you um i just guys listening brian is incredibly talented incredibly talented and not just talented and and i will preface uh before you to share your story is the TV business, especially the news business can be cutthroat beyond cutthroat. And it can be where people will smile to your face and then you start bleeding out and you're like, what happened? And they're like, Oh yeah, I stabbed you in your back a few minutes ago. <laughs> like, but yeah. you're just looking at me. Uh, and yet there are people that stand out who don't act like that. And you are one of them. I appreciate and You've that. always been incredibly kind and warm and just a great colleague so share your journey um where are you at now and how did you get to where you are so right now i'm working in salt lake city and this is where i grew up was in salt lake city uh, and the journey's kind of it was just taking me a long time to get to where i wanted to be but it seems like at the in the end everything seems to work out which is which is weird for me i I mean, I don't know how much of a faith-based discussion you have here with the the people who are listening to this podcast, but I really feel like... As much as you want. As much as you want. I really feel like being uh, expressing that faith and living up to that faith is really being able to kind of help me to be where I want to be. Um, Hmm. Part of that journey is just sometimes it takes a while and sometimes it takes uh, a lot of struggle. And so when I got started, let's start after Washington just because... You and I at least have that beginning point. And after that, though, I tried to be able to move back home to Salt Lake City. And I would uh, arrange to get interviews with the NBC affiliate, the CBS affiliate, the Fox affiliate. And they'd meet with me, but they wouldn't hire me. And it was so frustrating to try and move back because the only goal I had when I was in Washington State was to move back home. I thought, Hmm. you know, I want to be able to at least at this next stage of my career. And uh, it was within six months of being in Washington where I realized I, I want to, this is the jump I want to make. And it took about three years to get there. And uh, mm. I think what the, the key was is that being able to take feedback and be humble because, so again, I'm working doing these interviews with people and I got uh, one of them to be able to sit down on the phone with him one day after rejecting me telling me, hey, by the way, here's what you're doing wrong. And, uh, oh, and you love those conversations because, I mean, you know, the, they have someone tell you, okay, this sucks and this sucks and, you know, don't do this anymore. <laughs> right. But right. he spent the he, – it was, he was kind enough to be on the phone with me for an hour and, and tell me, okay, here's all the things you should work on. And so I did. Mm. I took that to heart and changed the way I reported on a story, just basically changed the way I told the story. And uh, so I, I worked on that, came back and – and said, okay, here's the, here's what I did. What do you think? He goes, I love it. I don't, know, I don't have a job opening for you. I'm like, mother <laughs> trucker. <laughs> Come Go on. on. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. but getting, uh, so what was interesting is that there's one station I couldn't make any contact with, and that was the ABC affiliate. And uh, right after that experience, uh, I was able to connect with an old professor who knew with the news director there and said, hey, They've got an opening. I told them you'd be setting your tape, so go ahead and get get started. And right after that, they saw my tape. They said, we like your stuff. Come on in for an interview. And within like three or four days, they hired me. 
And it was, it, it was wow. that easy, but at least in the moment, you know, but it had taken me years of struggle trying to get these interviews and then getting rejected. And then finally having somebody tell me, here's the thing you need to fix. And as soon as I fixed it, the next available opportunity came my way and it, it just worked out. And then, hmm. so I started working. That's where I'm at now is at the ABC affiliate in Salt Lake city. But I started as the low man on the totem pole. You know how they, you and you and I had worked in the time when you, you uh, shoot everything, you edit everything, you report on everything, you do it all yourself. And that was the job I had taken yep. in Salt Lake city. And then slowly year after year, the news director, we'd have a new news director every couple of years. And the new guy would give me a little extra responsibility. And so they kind of, shift me and move me to different places and slowly i went from the multimedia journalist or the the one-man band as we like to call them to the the morning anchor where i'm at now and uh mm. it just kind of has taken a lot of patience and a lot of being able to be pliable when someone says hey we want to move you from 3 30 in the morning to 11 o'clock at night and now we want you to do the weekends and now we want you to tell people why it's bad to speed in a residential neighborhood you know and all these other little things that they want you to do. And eventually, uh, the high, the job I pictured for myself when I was in high school is the job I have now. Wow. I don't know how much of a wow. journey that it is. I just kind of feel like it. No, that is. There's a lot of rejection. There's a lot of overcoming adversity. There's a lot of staying true to your why and your purpose and your dream. Uh, I, to give context, when we say jump, like it was a huge jump. There are 210 TV markets in the U.S., the largest market being New York, which is market number one, L.A. number two, and then it goes down all the way to 210. And then there are small towns that have a TV station that are not even a market size, such as Lewiston, Idaho, or other towns like that. So Brian and I started at market 126. And you jumped to market, what, 35? It's 33 now, yeah. 33 yeah. now, which is an incredible jump. And you and I both had good jumps because you jumped 35, I jumped to market 36 in San Antonio. And we both had, I mean, that truly, it takes people sometimes a long time to go to that 40 tier and above. Yeah. But you were diligent and you stayed the course and now you're living essentially the dream you had when you were in yeah. high school. And you know, what's funny is that you have all these people along the way will tell you, no, it's not possible. And here's what you have to do instead. You can't go from here to there. And I, in fact, I worked with people who I went to school with who had also came and later joined me at the station who had made these kind of, you know, um, intermediary jumps from like, say, mm -hmm. a small town like we worked at to another kind of mid-sized type town in the middle of the country and then you kind of hop around from like let's say market 93 to market 75 to market 56 to market 41 and then you end up in salt lake and then you try to go up to like 13 and whatever um but i was yeah. like i don't have time for that let's just do why can't we just do a straight shot <laughs> you know <laughs> and i guess good. it goes down to i have this core belief that uh, it's something i always say is the answer is always yes and if someone tells you no, they're lying to you. So, hmm. so that's the kind of the, the rationale I applied. And I didn't like when someone told me that it wasn't possible. I just, and I always, I really believe that when someone tells you no, that's just a way to be able to get to the next yes. That's powerful. That where, when did you first develop that line of thinking? Um, 
Well, I've always kind of had it because I'm always stubborn that way. I guess you know, a certain sen- sense of pig-headedness goes along with that. <laughs> you know, but I, I suppose it starts by believing in yourself that you and understanding your own individual worth. You know, so when you if you believe that this is what you're capable of and this is what you can do, then when someone tells you no, it's not simply they're not telling you you're not good enough, and then you feeling that you're not good enough. It's just them telling you, no, okay, we we don't think this is the option for you, and then you go, okay, well if that's if they don't they don't see what I see in me, then I've got to find somebody else who does because clearly I'm better than what I'm being told. And so that's kind of how I always kind of played things. And there's a lot of little stories like that where it took me a year to get my first job out of college. You know what I mean? Uh, and same kind of mentality had faces different levels of rejection. I didn't know, for example, that uh, getting a speeding ticket, uh, you know, on your driving record would impede you from getting a job on the news. But you know that that kind of slowed me down right out of college because you know your insurance companies won't hire you if you're driving a news vehicle. Little did I know that would play right. into there. Um, and then when right. even when I was in Salt Lake City working in the building I'm at now, I was told you're never going to be on the anchor desk. And I kind of had that reaction is like, oh yeah, well let me show you who's not going to be on the anchor desk, kind of thing. Mm. And the uh, so I would come in on the weekends and practice and and record those practice sessions and show them to our assistant news director who go, okay, I like this, I don't like this, work on this. And so we over the course of several months, I kind of refined what I had to do to be able to report the news from the anchor desk. And then they said, okay, next time we need someone to fill in when someone's on vacation, we'll give you a call. And then they did. And that kind of starts to blossom. Wow. You know what I mean? But each individual step along the way has those moments of, of bitter rejection. This is what, you know, the golden rule revolution. I'm, I'm, my mission is to see the hurt get healed and the heal to go out and heal others. And in that journey, in that process of getting healing, it takes a lot of love and it takes a lot of vulnerability and it takes a lot of truth to come forth so people can be free. And in TV, specifically in the industry that you're in, there's not a lot of room for love and vulnerability. And even though it's you know, supposed to be the um, the modality of uh, telling the truth of what's happening. You know, there's not much truth allowed unless, and I think this is why it's so cool to have you on to hear your story. You're humble enough to not feel contentious against the feedback, but go out and say, okay, then I'll take that feedback and I'll be better. You going on your journey and not without giving specifics of people, are there opposites of what you've seen and what were the effects of them? Like people I'm sure didn't go out and work on weekends to get better. Are there any stories that come of to people mind? People who failed uh, living up to the challenge of the, the stress and the rejection. Yeah. And the humility of the feet and taking the feedback and actually applying it versus fighting against it. Yeah. We've definitely had some of those for sure. And I, and I, just like you said, I wouldn't want to name names, but there have been several people who I've watched in the building who get so upset when you give them feedback. Because um, I'll be in a position where I work with other, you know, with reporters and producers and and uh, their on-air talent, and and there's part of the I you have a when I'm in the morning, for example, 
it's just kind of you and the crew. Like you don't have a lot of the managerial oversight that you do later in the day because we're getting up so early, right? So you have a little bit more of a leadership role there. And so there's a little more to do. And so I would share some feedback with some of the other people I was working with. And some people just get so angry and not listen to what I have to say or not only me, but from other people, you know, telling them the same thing. And I watched as that anger and that frustration just gets them out of a job because they become too difficult to work with, you know, and then Mm. they're not improving their skills. And when you try to help them, they're obviously not open to the suggestion. And so they become toxic. And there's been several people who the environment becomes just awful to be around. And so the manager, the managerial staff says, you know, that's it. We've got to move on because obviously this isn't working. And I feel like our station has been very good at, at giving people opportunities, you know, whereas other stations have a, don't quite aren't as open to giving someone with less experience or or less knowledge the, uh, the go ahead to be able to uh, take the next step. And I think ours has done really well with that. But at the same time, there's there's been some who've kind of floundered that opportunity. This is where I think it's super fascinating for people because I've talked to people there, you know, they want to know there's there's a, a great veil between, you know, the newsroom, what happens inside versus what people see on their television sets. Tell, tell us about the culture and how you've been able to impact the culture positively um, and just your perception of the media in general. Well, there's a lot there in that question, isn't there? Uh <laughs> certainly is <laughs> it's like uh, I don't know how do you tackle that in one shot I guess the one thing that, one thing I try to do let's say and then and I wear different hats and I have worn different hats over the years so as far as the how I impact things as a reporter when I would go out and cover stories we cover anything and everything under the sun and a lot of times when you're the, mm-hmm. the lead reporter you cover the worst of things usually that means death Usually means some type of destruction. Um, there's a fire, or there's a shooting, or or whatever. And I would go out to these different locations, and you'd have you would be the face of the station for whoever whoever these people are um, dealing with this tragedy. And I'd, I'd say to how I would like to reflect or be able to spread that uh, positivity is. Uh, I, I picked up real quick then when I went out to these situations that the guys who were all there with me, the other news reporters, the, the police officers, the firefighters, um, they need to be able to have some upliftment too. You know, they, because if mm. you, if you do, I mean, you can't, you think about the people who go to these things, the wildfires, the, the floodings, the, the murders, um, that's their every day. That's what they do every day is they respond to these horrific things. And if you're especially an emergency responder, you see more things that are horrific than anyone else every day. And right. so I watched one reporter who went up to them and started joking around with them. And I thought, well, that's interesting. You know, like, why are they taking this like a, like it's a heart attack? Why isn't it so serious? I mean, we had there was someone who died in a car accident. And yet here's this guy going up going, hey, did you guys bring me any donuts kind of thing? You know, just kind of shooting the breeze of them. And I just kind of, I, I realized in that moment, you have to be able to treat everyone 
you have to be more concerned about the person than you are about the thing that's happening. And so that was a big lesson for me in watching that. So when I went out to these things, I would always try to be able to make sure I made a connection with the either the first responders who we were there with or the people who we were there reporting on. And so it wasn't as much about me getting the interview about somebody who died or it wasn't so much about uh, muscling my way through to be able to uh, make sure we got exclusive with the, the firefighters or whoever. It was more about um, just making sure we had that, that connection. So I'd try to be able to make some, make them laugh, make them smile. Um, and you, and if you go over and go out to those, those awful scenes like that, you'll kind of, you may pick up on that. They're like, why are they laughing? You know, this is a horrible situation and it is, but you're trying in that moment, or at least I was trying in that moment. I see other first responders doing that too, where you're just trying to be able to make sure to treat other people, um, with them in mind first before the thing that you're working on. Whereas I think in our industry, and you talk mm. about the industry, it is so cutthroat and it's so like, I have to get this interview. I have to be here at a certain time. I have to have this done by 2 p.m. I have to have this on the air and by 3 p.m. And it's so deadline driven that you can really uh, uh, put people second or third or last, you know? And and so I mm. think the, the key is a, is being able to make sure that regardless of whatever stress you're under about the deadlines that you have to face each day or the things that you respond to is making sure that you uh, are considerate and kind and being able to uh, show those people how much you care, you know, and then, you know, now that's turned into making sure I just say hello to everybody when I come in the building because um, otherwise you never get a chance to interact with anybody, you know, Thing. Right, right. What is, what are some of the, your favorite stories that you've covered over the years that stand out to you? I've had to kind of run. I've had a quite a spectrum. I've got to do. Uh, I would say let me let me talk about one of my. Uh, there's five or six that come to mind right off the top of my head. One of the ones I'm most proud of right now is something you'll probably see in theaters. There's a movie that just came out by Spike Lee called Black Klansman. And I don't know if you've seen the promos for that, if there are any mm. the listeners have as well. came out on August 10th, and I think it's still in theaters. That movie is based off a news story that I did back in 2014. There was, uh, yeah, I mean, it's the craziest wow. thing. The story, the movie is based about this black cop back in the 70s in Colorado who somehow went undercover in the KKK. And so he was this black member of the KKK. Now, obviously, the KKK didn't know. They had no idea who he was, but and he was he would stop them from doing cross burnings and violence and other things back in the seventies. And I, before the movie came out, and there's a book that there's out too. And before the book came out, this goes back to 2014 when I was working on a, a story about gangs and crime in Utah. And they sent me out to go uh, interview this cop who'd work with gangs and such. And so we got done doing the interview and he said, hey, by the way, I'm putting together a memoir of this thing I did back in Colorado where I went undercover in the KKK. Uh, and he says, would that be of interest to you? And I go, well, you betcha. And uh, so we, uh, over the course of uh, the next couple of months, I said, we should probably wait till the book comes out. Well, that way we can promote the book. And uh, so we did. We, as soon as the book came out, uh, we did an interview about his experience and then said, here's the book. Go check it out. 
And uh, from that interview, that went viral. It hit everywhere, London, New York, and the interviews that he started to get for news organizations throughout the world uh, just came pouring in. And somewhere along the line, Spike Lee, no, it was Jordan Peele. Jordan Peele first had seen one of those stories and said, hey, Spike, you got to check this out. We should do a movie about this. And so they did. Uh, And they came out August 10th, and then it was one of the highlights of my career, being able to walk with on the red carpet with Spike Lee and with this man man named Ron Stallworth, who is the focus of the story. And and to have to see that my work became a full-length feature film, which is getting a lot of award buzz right now. So that's, that's pretty cool. That's a big one for me. What, what did you learn from that story? Well, the first thing was you take away from I had taught, I've been taught this in college, that there's always a story. There's always a story. Every person has a story. And I remember that uh, our professor used to say, you just got to go and find him. He goes, how many people live in Provo, which is where BYU is based, which is where I went to school? As how many people live in Provo? 58,000, 85,000? Okay, there's 85,000 stories. Go find them. So we were just working on this random story about cops and gangs and stuff where this this officer who I was working with happened to be that his, it was his specialty. But that his story wasn't about the cops and gangs. His story was about what he'd done decades before. And it just happened to be in that conversation uh, that I was making, you know, like we talk about putting the the person first as opposed to the interview i could have very easily been hey i gotta get this interview i gotta run thank you talk to you later but i tried to be able to go hey how are you what's going on in your day you know just to kind of make that bridge that gap and then he felt comfortable enough with me mm-hmm. to be able to trust me as a reporter to share hey i have this story i'm wondering if you'd like to do this too because there was there was a funny little side story to that was he almost canceled the interview before it ever started because there was someone else who, we, who he had worked with years before who worked at our station who gave us a bad name. And uh, he, didn't, he didn't like the, the work that they had done. And so he didn't like the station because of that. And so almost canceled the interview. And, that, and so I think, and so it's crazy to me to think his pride at that moment could have stopped that whole domino effect from beginning. And then... If had I not tried to be able to just kind of connect with him in the moment there to kind of build that trust, then we would have never had the next step in the line, which was, hey, here's the story I have. What do you think? And then now, because of that, you can watch it in movie theaters, every, you know, across the country. It's crazy, you know. Amazing. That's a powerful ripple effect of. <clears throat> That's a powerful ripple effect of two men living the golden rule. That police officer living the golden rule and trusting you and doing unto you as he wished someone did unto him. And then you living the golden rule by doing unto him that which you wish people do unto you, which is listen, be kind, trust, you know, acknowledge, connect. be patient and look yeah. at what happens. Yeah, and so connect, it's, uh, connect. it's one I'm very most proud of and it just happens to be very recently. I mean, there's been some, and there's been some others who have been a lot of fun. I got to go one night. I was an NBA mascot for uh, the Utah Jazz here in town. Uh, so I went went with the mascot. He showed me all the stunts that That's he awesome. got, you know, that he does and how to do them. And so we did them with him. And then we performed together in costume at the game one night. 
I went skydiving, you know, for a story. That was a lot of fun. There was a there was another one where I went and bought drugs undercover uh, and filmed it, you know, kind of, you know, uh, with those hidden camera kind of things. Wow. And that was one I won an Emmy for. So that was uh, that was a good day. So it's it's definitely run the gamut, you know. One minute, one minute, I'm hanging out and yucking it up with uh, with the NBA mascot. The next minute, I'm buying drugs undercover. You know, so amazing, amazing. What what do you hope people take away from from this podcast? And more specifically, what do you hope people take away from your story? I hope that people don't give up. That's probably the biggest thing. Is that and believe in yourself. Um, because I definitely do. If you've ever met me, you know, I also have a huge ego. So, I mean, we can talk about how great I am, you know, but I've got such a massive <laughs> ego. It's just awful. Uh, and so, uh, so I say you have to believe in yourself and that does get you somewhere because you, if you don't believe in yourself, nobody else is gonna, you know, people follow that confidence almost That's blindly right. at times. Because they, they, we love to believe someone who knows what they're doing. And so I would say begin there. And then if mm. you know who you are, you know what you're worth, um, don't give up. Because there's going to be someone who sees that value in you. The question is, um, can you wade through all the, the struggle that it takes to get there? And then can you learn from it? Because you can't, you can't just kind of be stubborn, be... Uh, someone who's going to just bull rush your way through life and not pick up the paces, pieces of how you can learn from these experiences. Because eventually each person who tells you no is really trying to help you understand a better way to find the yes. And so you'll kind of carve out that path, which helps you see, here's how I get to where I want to be. Uh, but it begins with you. So if you're willing to learn, if you're willing to be able to take feedback, eventually you'll get to where you want to be. Because like I always say, the answer is always yes. If someone tells you no, they're lying to you. Hmm. That's great, Brian. You are uh, you just. I just appreciate you. I always have. You know, we those listening. This is the first time Brian and I have spoken in 13 years. We've stayed in contact through Facebook. Uh, yeah, we have the same. Isn't birthday. that crazy? Share, I, could, I, I totally forgot about We share the about same that. birthday. Yeah, I was like, wait a minute, it's coming up. Is that is that your birthday? And uh, Brian, uh, we were talking before the, the episode. Uh, Brian looks younger than I am, even though he's a few years older. So he he has he has a long, long, long career ahead of him in TV. And even if you're not in the Salt Lake City area, if you're not in Utah, I mean, wherever you are listening, find Brian on Facebook. He um, shares a lot of great content. You can find him facebook.com slash ABC or Brian Carlson. And I'll put that link in the show notes. And he just has great stories and he's just, just a fun, just a fun person to follow along. I mean, he's with Lou Fregno one, one minute. He's with Chuck Norris, the man whose tears cure cancer. I mean, you know, the guy, <laughs> Brian is with them all. And, uh, and Brian, I want you to know, brother, I know you have uh, big things ahead right. for you, not career wise, but impact wise. You know, the impact you're making in this world, brother, is very, 
it's felt I it's felt by that. me because you and, know uh, i know it's uh, felt I, by others. I can say the same thing about you i mean you're watching you know what you've turned your career into you know where you're you're going out and giving spreading this message to other people to try and lift others and and spread that message of joy and being able to overcome adversity and trying to be able to make a difference with people in this world is something that's inspiring Thank you, brother. Thank you. You know, I, uh, those listening, everyone, you know, it doesn't matter where you are in society. It does, it does not matter where you are in the world. Brian is a, a TV news anchor. Um, I'm doing a podcast and a business owner. You, you know, whatever you're doing, whatever you're doing is the point. You can be the most positive impact in someone's life for that day, for that week, for that month, for that year, and maybe for their lives. And we have that great ability to an opportunity to go out and make a more positive ripple effect in the world. And that's why we need to not only acknowledge the greatness that we see in ourselves, but we also get to go out and acknowledge the greatness we see in others. And Brian is a great example of that. Uh, Brian, uh, I shared just a moment ago where they could find you, but uh, why don't you share? Where can people find you, follow you, and I appreciate and, that. Uh, the, uh, so if you're on Instagram your or Twitter, you. it's at Brian Carlson TV, and if uh, you're on Facebook, it's uh, obviously just look for Brian Carlson. And you see the little blue check right there. You know you got me. Interestingly enough, there have been people who have made fake accounts of my name. Why? I don't know. Who wants to be me? I don't get it. But. Uh, <laughs> We had I had to shut a couple of those down recently. So look for the blue check because uh, that'll help you know that's mm. me. Check the blue check. I love it, Brian. Thanks for joining me today. It's been a pleasure, and uh, I know we're gonna do more stuff together, man. You are you're a good brother, and uh, keep going. Right back at you, birthday, impact, brother. And uh, I love you, man. I'm thankful for you. <laughs> that was such a great time having Brian on. Brian Carlson of ABC4 Utah is he's just a good man and someone I highly respect and love and I I shared with him keep having fun because people like having fun with you on your journey and my same encouragement is to everyone listening keep having fun in life look for the fun look for the good Look for the light, look for the love because people want to join you on that journey. People want, we are, we are all hungry, starving for love and inspiration and purpose and vision and light. And those aren't just poetic words. Those are literal literal desires that we have and we on the golden rule revolution get to be that in this world as always thank you for listening download like share comment rate this podcast let's get the message out can't do it alone we can't do it alone it takes a movement of people dedicated to treating people like people and nothing less I'm Lucas Mack, and I'll talk to you on the next episode.